What is going on, everyone? It's time for episode two of Out of Bounds here on the Know Your News Network. John Alba, me, O'Brien, coming at you on your second Monday happy hour. What's going on, everyone? Mia, how you doing tonight? Uh, hanging in there. Uh, a wild weekend uh, with regards to the Mia O'Brien Super Bowl. That, of course, being the crossover between the hometown Jacksonville Jaguars and New- the New York football giants. So uh, running on a little bit of sleep, but uh, mm. feeling excited and was very much in need of this. So ready to sp- <laughs> spend another wonderful Monday happy hour with you, John. Yes, it is a Monday happy hour. And it's a happy time for all of us here on the Know Your News Network. We're very excited that you're joining us here for episode two of Out of Bounds. Last week, we brought you our premiere. It's a look at the fun side of sports, the weird, the wacky, the wild, and everything in between. Uh, we had a lot of fun last week, Mia. Uh, how'd you feel about it a week out? I did. You know what? Like I said, it's like uh, every conversation we have ever had, whether that's at 2 (laughs) a.m. as I'm driving back from Ames, Iowa with a concussion suffered at the hands of Alan Lazard to just us shooting the ish at in Asbury Park at a bar. So that's what I hope. uh, hope the listeners take away from this. Yes. And every week we have an opening toast here, but we also pay up our weekly wager, which you'll hear at the end of this show. But last week, Mia, uh, you were the one who put forth the wager. And uh, if you could remind me, what was it? Yes, it was the winner of the Jaguars-Giants game with myself representing the Jaguars, John re- representing the Giants. Uh, the winner would then have to force the loser to drink hot sauce straight out of a glass. And so uh, how that game uh, play out? Thank you, Christian Kirk, for not getting me two extra yards. That would have been nice. Uh, we also can blame the defense for giving up over 100 yards to both Saquon Barkley and Danny Dimes. It was the most excruciating finish of a game I've ever seen in person. Welcome it was like to they, every Jaguars game for much they, of the past 27 years, 28 years. They knew that we had a wager going on that finish, and they they decided to draw it out and make it as painful as possible. But So, so Mia, before you do it, what hot sauce will you be drinking here? So I have Red's Hot, which I actually have the bottle over there, but it's too far away for me to okay. grab. Um, but, yes, I have put it now. It's in a shot glass. Um, So actually, it's a beer tasting glass. That's um, very on brand. Courtesy of our good friends at New Glarus Brewing in Wisconsin. Okay. Now, you've ever heard of the infamous Spotted Cow? I've got a surprise for you before you take that. Oh, okay. Here's the thing, Mia. And and for all of our audience here, and if you want to leave us a super chat, by the way, uh, you can post it right here on YouTube, KYNchats.com as well, uh, and we'll read your super chat on air. That's how you can get involved with the show. But I got a surprise for you, Mia. Okay. See everyone listen. Lay it on me. Tomorrow is Mia O'Brien's 30th birthday. Oh, boy. It's true. It's yes. big. Sad. And I wanted to not make you feel excluded here. So... Uh, even though you lost the wager, I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to do Aww, and, what a and, trooper. and I'm going to make it even more hardcore because this is hotter than what you're taking. Yeah. And I'm going to do it straight from the bottle. This is called. I mean, I can do it straight from the no, bottle. That's I'm okay. not going to lie, don't though. Have to. It takes a while to get the reds out of. Well, yeah, that's, the, that's like medium was, thick right yeah, there. But, was, but oh. this this is appropriately Adam's apple, uh, which is an apple habanero hot sauce that uh, we're going to do. Uh, we're going to pay up here, and I'm going to do this a little much. I'm going to do it, take a straight shot. So right wait, wait, we got to also preface uh, this toast, this uh, wager being paid up with this. I also did the Taco Bell $28 challenge earlier this week. Um, unsuccessful, folks. Yes. Um, however, 
uh, the biggest thing that my co-hosts on my day job, XL Primetime, 1010XL, 92.5 FM, were worried about was the Diablo sauce. And I was like, boy. No, that's easy. Sauce is easy. That's so, easy. That's, but I, I, I've is. never tasted this. I have no idea how it is. It has habaneros in it. We'll see how it goes. Uh, happy birthday to you, Mia. I'm paying this up with you. Here we go. Ready? Cheers, friend. Cheers. Mm. Oh boy. Mm. Yep. How was that? Woo! I'll tell you what. That is delicious. I mean, I don't think you're supposed to drink hot sauce just straight up from a bottle like that. Like, Frank's, you're certainly not supposed to either. Nope. 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 Um, but that's okay. We're, we're, it's, um, the, definitely the texture. Did you, did you get it down? I'm about to finish it. We're going to blame the I'll sit off. Mm -hmm. And then and then I'll do our actual opening toast because mm -hmm. we do an actual opening toast every week. And that, Mia, is to your 30th birthday. So a cheers to you on your 30th birthday. Wash it all down. Wash the hot sauce down. Here we go. Mm. Woo! Little Cranberry Jamo. juice and hot, hot sauce. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, <coughs> we'll do another weekly wager at the end of the episode. And I will pose it to you next week. But let's get things started here, Mia O'Brien. And uh, as apropos with the college football season, we've got an Aaron Judge cut in. Okay. Aaron Judge makes the final out of the ALCS for the New York Yankees against the Houston Astros. And with that, a clean sweep at the hands of the Houston Astros for the New York Yankees. Um, boy. It's not what you want, Mia. Aaron Judge turned down a seven-year, $213 million extension at the beginning of the season, an all-time bet-on-yourself moment, and it paid off. 62 home runs, one of the greatest seasons ever. But what would Aaron Judge's incentive be to re-sign with a Yankees team that got mutilated in the ALCS? I haven't seen an embarrassment like this in quite some time in baseball. Well, no, they not only got mutilated, and then their manager and their GM basically defended their decisions in terms of how they constructed the lineup, how they constructed their bullpen for the postseason. And granted, they were hit by the injury bug in September. And as I know you noted multiple times on Twitter, names like DJ LeMayhew and Andrew Benatendi may have helped that lineup. Um, but at the end of the day, this is a team that limps through the second half of the season. And quite frankly, like my view of Aaron Judge and the Yankees has really changed ever since the captain, the ESPN plus documentary mm -hmm. came out a few months ago, knowing then hearing a firsthand account from Derek Jeter, the conversations that went on with him, arguably one of the greatest top 10 Yankees of all time, if not top five. Um, and the way that he was disrespected for lack of a better term. And so that's why knowing that that is how they treated Derek Jeter. How are they going to treat someone who is six foot six, six foot seven, excuse me and potentially could have injuries down the line. He's had injuries throughout the course of his career. And so, no, I mean, I quite frankly have no hope. Um, just like I have no hope in the ALCS. No hope I have all. no hope in Brian Cashman re-signing um, well, Aaron Judge at this time. I also want to note, real quick from the captain, one of my favorite moments was when the Steinbrenner sons didn't have Derek Jeter's number. In my a, opinion, that's all you need to know. Well, about and what's that going is on. encompassing of what has been going on with you. And it's funny because you'll hear so many people be like, it's the Yankees. Uh, what, what do you got to whine about? 27 World Championships. When you have that many championships, there comes an expectation that you will compete year in and year out. And not just compete, you will be among the elite teams in baseball. And yeah, they made it to the Final Four. But uh, there's, a clear there's a clear disparity between the They spent the top how much stars. money? Like right. they're supposed to be there. 
But what and and instead you have these excuses where the New York Yankees struck out 50 times in this series and the excuses, well, they're putting up a couple good at bats up there. Oh, I think I'm I'm registering a couple hits. You have a franchise that's saying, oh, we know that Josh Donaldson's a better player than Giovanni Urshela, where Giovanni Urshela goes out this year and uh, quite frankly whoops Josh Donaldson's candy ass all over the place. So. When Aaron Judge comes And that's just at the plate. Equation, that's not talking defensively either. And, well, uh, defensively, they're both pretty good. But when what m- this all comes down to is there is this holier-than-thou mentality within the Yankees' upper brass right now that, quite frankly, if I'm a superstar, is very off-putting. Sure, they can afford to pay me a lot of money, but what is my incentive to go to a franchise where there is continuously this standard of we'll make a couple adjustments and see how much further it gets us. That's not what it takes to win when you've been stagnant for the better part of 13 years. And if I'm a superstar, even if I'm Aaron Judge, who's the closest thing that Derek Jeter, the Yankees have had, what is my incentive to resign? Especially if the manager remains. And I know that that is a point of contention that you have had throughout the course of the last few weeks. And I'm very curious of, I mean, I think Aaron Judge and Aaron Boone have a decent relationship, but knowing that Aaron Boone is largely a pawn in this Yankee machine, I I mean, and he's essentially just, he was hired because he can talk to the media and because he can listen to what Brian Cashman and the analytics team tell him to do. And so that's what I'm very curious to see is if he opts for a different route. Um, and also, I enjoyed your uh, It's Not What You Want, considering um, the guy who coined the phrase, former Yankees manager Joe Girardi, now former Phillies manager, is watching his other former team play in the World Series this fall. Yeah, he is doing that. What fun. It, really it is. great, de- great, great few <laughs> months to be a Yankee man. No, but I just I want to bring up the point here, like. Aaron Judge was this big hoopla this season, right? Do, do you think that they overdid it with Aaron Judge this year? Because no, there are people. Not at who, all. There are people who outside of the New York market or outside of that fandom who say, well, I don't need to be watching my Appalachian State college football game and seeing Aaron Judge cut-ins. Did they overdo it this year, in your opinion? No, because we haven't seen anyone hit over 60 home runs in how many years? Since 1998? No, since uh, Barry Bonds. So 2001, if you want to count that, which I know there are some of you out there who don't. So, um, yeah, so that's the better part of 21 years. So, yes, I'm glad that they blew it up the way they did because your other superstar in Major League Baseball, Mike Trout, plays on the West Coast for a crappy team that also claims to spend money. Um, But no one watches them unless you stay up till 2 a.m. every day watching them. And it's about time that baseball figures out how to market a superstar. And he's in New York. It should be easy. <laughs> it literally should be easy, John. And yet they continue to make it hard. And that's that's just what I don't understand. Like, I mean, listen, like I said, it's a great bet on yourself story. And we're seeing that happen in a variety of different sports right now. Is it is it the greatest contract <laughs> year ever in the history of sports? Um, no. I know you'd have to, like, rack your brain for specific ones, but I don't see how it's not. Who was oh, there? Was somebody else? He in, increased his value by a hundred plus. Oh million yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, it's after, it's easily, but there wasn't. Who was the recent one? I forget what sport it was. Someone on the someone in our comments, one of our super chats. Please, please fill me in. Who else in the last year has bet on themselves? And not uh, at the success level that Aaron Judge did, in my opinion. And, oh and no, now, Lamar, Lamar. I was thinking about Lamar. And even I mean Lamar, Lamar but even Lamar's that wasn't... tailed off in the last three weeks. And Aaron Judge, aside from when he got to the postseason, never truly tailed off. Even when the Yankees had their tail spin in well, the month of August, yeah, the Aaron Judge was did. Aaron Judge was the one thing keeping them afloat. <laughs> yes, and and I think he exerted uh, a little bit too much. So you could argue 
that Aaron Judge is what's out. But Mia, I think you're about to tell us what's in. Yeah, so uh, the Padres, the yellow and brown, they're out. The Phillies are in. Red October. Get ready, America. They did the damn thing with an interim manager, technically. Even though they, they have expend, they've extended him, right? Technically now they've like given him the job. Oh, yeah, no, Rob, Rob Thompson's sticking around. Yeah, they gave him the job. I mean, you go to the World Series, I mean, you deserve to get a full-time job. Um, but, yeah, so in case you guys missed it, um, were they pro- Padres employees or fans? Uh, no, they're made- just fans. They're just okay, fans. so these Padres fans made this music video when they were playing the Dodgers in the NLDS. This is after the NLDS. This oh, is so the it was end. right after. So, it was so right is, after. they are on air on live TV, on the news, Mia. And they sing this See, song. I thought this was pre-recorded. No, this is live. We're live, pal. Do this you is miss being air. in local news these moments, John? Uh, for something like this, yes. It's a group of diehard Padres fans. They appear on KUSI in San Diego. And they proclaimed victory over the Phillies before the NLCS started by singing a song. That goes something akin to this. Philly going down to yellow and brown. That's what's in. That's what's in. Padres on the loose. Let's go goose. That's what's in. That's what's in. Bryce going to lose and Manny's going to cruise. That's what's in. That's what's in. Give Philly no slack and send him back. That's what's in. So, uh, yeah, this is brutal. Well, the best um, part was that they made that song, everyone crushed them, and then they did it again. They did it again, and then how did the, the series play out? Maybe, uh, right? they, it, it did not work out. Were the Padres doomed from the moment this song went viral is my question for yes, you. Yes, it completely reversed <laughs> the goose. The goose gave them all the good no, vibes. They the goose stuck, was our boy. They should have stuck to the animal, and instead they decided they had to attempt to go viral with something that wasn't organic. It was... I, I don't know what that was. Um, but no, from the moment that music video dropped, everyone knew they were cursed. Um, but beyond that, I do think the Phillies are playing like the, we are seeing with the Philadelphia Phillies, what we saw with the Atlanta Braves last year, a team that at the midway point of the season, didn't know who they were, didn't know what they were. Hell, their manager got fired. Um, mm-hmm. And then they just got hot at the right time. And at the end of the day, that's all you need. It's, uh, you know, baseball. Yes. It's five game or three game. Now in the wild card, five game, seven game series. But at the same time, it's kind of akin to the NCAA NCAA tournament and the big dance in that Mm -hmm. if you can get hot, you can progress through this this other dance, if you may. Yeah, and you've got the hottest team in baseball against by far away the best team in baseball in the World Series. And I think that's awesome for the game. But yeah, I'm not one to believe in the... Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say the Astros are the best team in baseball? Uh, uh, Well, those columnists with the LA Times about the Dodgers that that they wrote that the Dodgers should have just gotten a free pass right to the NLCS. Like, will they, will they take issue with that? That that didn't work out for them. So they should have just let it. It was historic though, John, just like Aaron judge's season was historic. We should have just let him go to the world series. Listen, I'm not superstitious. I'm a little stitious. I'm a little stitious, but I do believe that this Padres team, which consisted of two bonafide stars, Manny Machado and, and Juan Soto. a team that also, for what it's worth, as we talk about the New York Yankees, that's a franchise that went all in. Like they, they did. They pushed they did. all their cards to the middle of the table. I do believe that the moment that these Padres dads, the dads' dads, the Padres' Padres, the moment that they dropped this little song that became a faux rallying call, I believe that was it. It was over. 
Oh, yeah. You know, there's no question. All the goodwill of the goose was gone. Um, so, John, I know you are very high on the Astros, but, I mean, you just said it. This Phillies team, They're red I hot. mean, no one can pitch to them right now. Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, it looked like turn back the clock to 2017 right now for both of those guys. Um, so what is your what are your expectations for the Fall Classic? I think that it is going to be a very fun World Series. I hope the layoff between games doesn't screw up the mojo for either of these teams, because it can. It certainly can. Keep on, the Phillies have been going gung-ho here from the wild card round straight all the way through. I think, I think that this one is going at least six games. I do believe the Phillies have the offense that counteracts that extremely, extremely consistent pitching across rotation and bullpen that we've seen from the Astros. The one thing is, if Philly makes mistakes, that's it, because this Astros team makes you pay for mistakes like no team I've ever seen before. So all in all, I'm going with the Astros in six. What say you, Mia? I'm just rooting for a six or a seven-game series because, wait for it, John, um, game six and game seven would be next Friday, Saturday, Thursday night football in Houston, Philly, Philadelphia mm. Eagles at the Houston Texans. Well, one of those games will be better than the other. That yes. Is oh, the baseball will obviously be better, but at the same time, like I just think that will add to the allure. Well, the who are you picking? Line. You got to pick one. Yeah, I'm going with the Phillies. Uh, same North reason. The Phillies. Yeah, same reason the Braves won last year. As much as you know, the old saying goes: offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. And the Astros pitching has obviously proven that it is championship caliber over the last few weeks of the postseason. At the same time, I just think Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber are on another level. I think that the uh, starting rotation for the Phillies um, has surprised a lot of people and I would expect uh, more of the same. I think uh, Aaron Nola is pitching at an elite level as well. And so I'm going to go with the Phillies uh, in seven. Phillies in seven. Okay. Yes, I wouldn't I want, be upset. I would like I, seven games. I, I wouldn't be upset about it. Listen, the Astros have become the true heels of major league baseball, but I do love Dusty Baker and I would love to see Dusty Baker win one. I think that that's would be great. True. I do. But, agree. That would be a very nice character arc for a man who wasn't involved in the scandal, but then of course no. got dragged through the mud for it. And he's uh, also did. Awesome, I will so. say this there. I did take a little bit of solace in uh, Jose Altuve just being awful. Throughout the course of the Yeah, but he season. came through in the game that eliminated the Yankees. So that, yeah, well, listen, sure. that was happening regardless. So I that was I had accepted my fate. I just didn't know who would be that's laying fair. the hammer. Uh it just so happened that's it was fair. him. But he was 0 for 27 or whatever it was that's at true. one point. So I'll take All that. All right, Mia. Let's transition into my favorite football league, the XFL, of course, because this was a bright Tampa Bay Rowdies, right? That's what they're called. Well, no, the, Rowdies, the Rowdies are the soccer team. No, so then what was a oh, Vipers? The Vipers, correct? Yes, that's what yes, it is. Yes. yes. But the or, Orlando's getting a new XFL team. But that's oh, the okay. Yes. So we love the XFL in this house. No doubt about that. And it was a big weekend for XFL greats like PJ Walker, for example, Taylor Heineke. And why was the, it a big the weekend? Green Lizard. The Green Lizard. Yes. The Green Lizard. Why was it a big weekend? Well, the rough years are continuing for Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, Mia. P.J. Walker of XFL fame and the Panthers, who are now without Christian McCaffrey, took down the Bucks 21-3 to with Walker going 16 for 22 with two scores, while Heineke threw for 20 of 33, two touchdowns and a pick and route to a 23-21 win over Green Bay with his Washington Commanders. Green Bay and Tampa are 3-4. and four. The New York football Giants, 6-1. and one. The Jets, 5-2. and two. I see this argument all the time on social media, and you can let us know with your super chats by the way send them in the chat we'll get them on air is this too much parody for the nfl uh not at all not at all although i will say this like i honestly came away from this weekend and maybe it's because 
I'm like so in the weeds on Sundays. Um, but I, I just came away and I was like, who won? Like, who, who do I care about? Oh, it, it's the Chiefs and everybody else. Okay, cool. Bet. Cool. I mean, granted, we had a lot of teams on buys this week, including the Bills and the Eagles, who are right up there with the Chiefs in terms of being in a different stratosphere than 90% of the league. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I just came away from this weekend and was like, oh, Carolina just had a fire sale, just fired its head coach, just got rid of its best player. And they came out and won a game with P.J. Walker, XFL legend, as their quarterback. Um, well, that's fun. But then I was like, well, I mean, if nothing else, it makes what's already a dog crap NFC even more of a dog fight. Um, and it gives more teams a chance. I wish the AFC could say the same. Then the Jaguars at a two and five, you know, all hope would not be lost. Um, but uh, at the same time, like, I, I enjoy the storylines. I enjoy mm-hmm. the storylines. And you know, want, want to know what else I really much enjoy, John? And I don't want to jump ahead to our next topic, but I think they're kind of interrelated. And that is this concept of, it is a quarterback-driven league, which that I 100% agree with, because you're seeing with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow throwing for over 400 yards and on pace for like 800 at one point in that game. Um, what you are seeing is, because it's a quarterback-driven league, you're seeing teams that just unnecessarily make moves because they need this quarterback or that quarterback because he was good once upon a time. and therefore Are you that's talking you about Matt Ryan? by chance no 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 Matt Ryan I want to table that because uh we know I love talking about Jim Irsay so we're going to table that because we're going to get back to Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger and that Nick Foles who's also making two million dollars to ride the pine um out in Indianapolis but no I I more so want to talk about Carson Wentz (laughs) because a couple of my friends that were here this weekend for my birthday celebration are Washington fans and knowing the capital they gave up for Carson Wentz Mm -hmm. in Washington Knowing that Taylor Heineke, yeah, I mean, listen, he's not an elite quarterback, but he got you. He got the job done. He got the job done last year in Mm -hmm. spot. I mean, he got thrown into the fire. Yep. Um, At that point, I mean, their wide receiving core is halfway decent. You got Terry McLaurin, who is an underrated receiver in this league. Um, You've got other pieces. Like, it's, it's not like he's, like, you know, playing with a bunch of backups here. Like, I mean, listen to this list of playmakers, right? So they, they've, they've got Terry. They've got Curtis Samuel, who's a do-it-all guy if you ever saw one. Antonio Gibson out of Memphis originally, who's now seen more of like a receiving back role because Brian Robinson, the former Alabama running back, has really taken the reins. J.D. McKissick has been in the league seemingly forever. Um, so there's pieces. And then you have a defense that they obviously were banking on with Chase Young, granted coming off the ACL tear that he still hasn't returned from yet, but you've got multiple first-round picks along that front four. Mm -hmm. So my point in saying all this is, is that why weren't you just starting Heineke to begin with? Why didn't you save that second and third-round draft pick, the conditional, yes, third-round pick, that you used for Carson Wentz to, I don't know, fortify the offensive line, get a, a decent defensive back because that's what's been burning them besides Carson Wentz the first six weeks of the season. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, listen, the Green Lizard, it could be a flash in the pan like it was at times uh, two years ago when they made the playoffs in Washington. But that's a situation where I look at it and I say, like, did you really need to go get a quarterback just because of his name? Well, maybe this ties into the general topic of what we're saying here where parody. I think fans generally enjoy parody, generally speaking, mm-hmm. unless they tie it to well, the we root, we root football. for an underdog. Yeah, we root for an underdog. But, it's America. Sure. I think fans generally enjoy that. But I would argue that leagues don't love that because I think a league loves from a marketing standpoint when they say, oh, we know this year that the Packers are going to be good. 
We know this year that the Patriots are going to be good. We know this year that so-and-so are going to be good. So we're going to schedule our Sunday night and our Monday night primetime football games. to feature. When the Broncos are good, right, John? Right. Russell Wilson comes to the Broncos. They're going to be great. Well, we see what's happening there. So I think that the leagues, the entities probably discourage parity a little more. But for fans, we like the madness. We like when you take a concept and throw it entirely out the window and yeah, we know that the Giants were supposed to be booty this year. This is a rebuilding year. The Jets are supposed to be a couple years off. Well, the Jets, well, I will say that the Jets the Jets are truly a quarterback away, which is a scary thought. I mean, obviously now the awful news this morning that both Brees Hall and Elijah sure. Vera Tucker are out, and that's unfortunate. But, I mean, yeah, but, but the, the Jets at least are in year two of Robert Sala. So I expected them to take yes, some sort but, of step. But nobody is expecting them to be five and two at this no, point. No, that's correct. And nobody's expecting the Giants. I keep, no I one expected the Broncos to be two and five, though. The, the, no one expected Geno Smith to be leading oh, the Seattle Seahawks. favorite storyline of to, the year. To probably an NFC West championship. <laughs> it's a very They're real possibility right that these things can happen. So I think parity is a good thing. And I'll tell you what. It does suck for Tom Brady. It does suck for Aaron Rodgers. We don't like to see guys' careers end like this. And I will say, even as we talked last week, maybe it's a little self-inflicted for both of these guys, especially Brady coming back when he retired. But uh, maybe it inspires Brady to come back another year somewhere else. I mean, what else is he playing for at this point? His family left him. So, I mean, and that's where, like, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers' family left him a long, long time ago. So, Aaron Rodgers, I feel for. I do feel for Aaron Rodgers because similar to Russell Wilson when he was in Seattle – Although now we're finding out maybe Russell was the problem all along. Hi, it's me. Um, He's the problem. Um, I should make that a TikTok. Um, But poor Tom Brady, like, it's just a perfect storm. Like, they say when it rains, it pours. I mean, this man gets divorced. His offensive line, like, from the moment training camp opened, there was injuries. Mike Evans can't catch a cold right now, except he can sign autographs for referees. Um, So, yeah, no, I – it's different. Like, I I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers because – it's malpractice that they didn't draft. Well, they drafted Christian Watson, but the fact that they did not build around him properly, Tom Brady, it's just circumstantial. And I believe it's karma. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, like, I, I do feel bad that he came back. He's like, Hey, like, can you do this? Can you do that? And they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Here's your number one wide receiver. Um, a 38 year old Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard. And also a couple of rookies have fun. And yeah, that's but not, that's, here's the thing with Rodgers. He should have seen that writing on the wall, and he should demand should a re- trade to right. get out of there. Right. That's that's and guess what? When a guy with Aaron Rodgers stature demands a trade, you have to trade him. Right. So he easily could have forced his way out of there, and he didn't. Uh, whereas with the Patriot, or pardon me, with the Bucks, uh, this is Brady's own doing here. And I understand when you're a competitor, it's hard to let go. It's really hard to let go. I say this all the time with broadcasting, and it carries over to sports, probably even more so. Ego is involved. And that doesn't necessarily need to be in a negative context. We all have an ego because we get fulfillment from whatever we're doing. Fulfillment is what gets us through each day. Tom Brady probably felt that he would not feel fulfilled if he had stepped away at that point in time. I get it. But clearly, after not winning the Super Bowl last year, there's some cracks in that foundation there in Tampa. And now he finds himself more frustrated than ever. And I think he's going to come back next year and I play for somebody else. Ab- and- oh, for somebody else? Yeah. I think he's going to play for somebody else. Who? 
I think he will have his pick of a landing space where a team like, say, maybe the 49ers, who doesn't yeah. want Jimmy G, and they kind of are knocking on the door there in San Francisco. Are like, yeah, all right, kind of. Well, I mean, they just traded yeah. for Christian McCaffrey. Well, right, right. But I'm saying, so, like, they see that window open. So they say, all right, we'll give you one year, Tom Brady. We'll do that. But but that brings us to the point of old quarterbacks. Yes. that's what I want to talk about. So we see these teams giving up all these crazy assets the Denver Broncos basically gave up their stadium to acquire Russell Wilson this past offseason. And now they're wishing that they could trade it all back to get Drew Locke. Matt Sad. Matt Ryan is clearly on the back end of his career and is not going to be a contributor for Indianapolis going forward this season as things stand right now. This is a trend that we started seeing probably about eight years ago where you take the big bet on the aging quarterback – why are teams making this bet on themselves that it will pay off? Is it just because Peyton Manning was successful in doing it? Is it just yes. because Tom Brady was successful in doing it? Those two yes. examples, but those yes. are elite of the most elite examples. They're outliers. Many are people, they not? I, I think they are, but many people thought Russell Wilson was in that category with them. Another Super Bowl champion. I'm not sure he's a hall of famer uh, after his performance so far this season. He definitely isn't even with a Walter Payton man of the year and a Super Bowl title and an MVP. And <sighs> I, I mean, with Russell, it's one thing because they truly, I think, especially the folks out in Denver, because they were the ones who acquired Peyton Manning um, when he was released, traded by the Colts, sent off to pasture, um, left for dead. And so I think that they were like, oh, like we've done this once before. We'll do it again um, with a completely different quarterback, number one, and number two, a completely different style of quarterback. Um, and yes, they obviously had the playmakers in place already, similar to when Peyton arrived in Denver to an extent. Um, they were super high on obviously their young wide receiving core, who now they are reportedly shopping some of them. Their defense, I do believe, is elite. I, I do think that Patrick Sertan is a top five corner in the league right now. I think Bradley Chubb and that pass rush have been sneaky good. I'm actually kind of concerned for the Jaguars when they go across the pond to face the Broncos in London and go against that defense. Um, but the, the bigger thing, the reason it worked for Peyton to go to Denver and for Tom to go to Tampa was because part of why they left was that they wanted more of a say in how the roster was constructed and how the team operated. And as we heard, when Tom Brady went down to Tampa, the culture in Tampa changed in an instant. Mm -hmm. When Peyton Manning went to Denver, the culture changed in an instant. We heard that, yes, during the offseason with Russell Wilson, but game one against Geno Smith, against his old team, Seattle, when he could have stepped up to the plate and taken ownership, called a timeout because his first-year head coach was floundering on the sideline and didn't know what the time was on the clock, he could have taken ownership and leadership in a situation that a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning would have. And that is why, in that moment, I knew, well, I, I guess we can't really consider Russ in the conversation with the Peytons and with the Tom Brady's of the world. And I don't think we could before, but now we really couldn't. And it's only gotten worse as the weeks have gone. But on. to make a decision like this, like what the Colts made acquiring Matt. Oh, Ryan, well, they've done that four years Matt in a row, Ryan. buddy boy. I understand that the, ever since they were blindsided by Andrew Luck retiring, they have been trying to plug in pieces, but when you're giving up capital, legitimate draft capital, and you're giving up assets to get these aging quarterbacks, you have to be on the brink of winning a championship. I, I it, it is a plug in and play when you acquire one of these aging quarterbacks and some of them may still have something left. Peyton Manning, keep in mind, 
they didn't two, have a neck. They, they had two Super Bowl appearances with Peyton Manning, uh, and they lost the first one. And Peyton was much better that season. But it was the second one where he actually wasn't very good at all that they won. No, we called uh, my friends and I in Iowa, shout out, um, the Les Brothers. We called it the wobble. Whenever Peyton would drop, because they're huge Bronco fans, whenever Peyton would drop back, that was when the wobble, the dance, yeah. the... Like when that that was really pop- well, popular. That's what the, wall, the ball was doing that. Yeah, so we would like stand up as as he like launched. Yeah. We would all we would he would drop back, and the three of us would stand up on the couch, and we'd be the wobble, the wobble. My point being, you have to know that you are knocking on the door of a Super Bowl to make a movie like the Bucks. They were knocking on the door. They said we're a good quarterback away. Yeah, and we yeah can but do see, this. the Bucks were what eight and eight the year before but he got you, there. If you covered that team. And, yeah. and I did cover that team. Yeah. You knew the play, the pieces were there and they could do it. They just needed. They that. also drafted really well. And they drafted that first well. Draft and they had too. a good coach. Yeah. So you have those things that come together. So my, my point being here is just that if you're a, a team that seriously views himself in contention, like perhaps maybe the 49ers next year, mm-hmm. then it's okay to make that move. Well, that's why I think the Broncos thought they were. The Broncos genuinely thought they were. The Colts are a completely different story. They are, Jim Irsay and his little gummy uh, action figures have been putting a Band-Aid on a bullet hole for the past five years. Oh, boy. Well, guys, if you want to have some fun with us here on Out of Bounds, I encourage you head on into YouTube where you can leave your super chat or you can go to kynchat.com. Leave a Know Your News chat before or during a live stream, and you can get it read on air during the course of this conversation. Now, Mia, I'm going to throw up a tweet here. Oh. And I want you to tell us okay. what happened. And this is from New York Giants beat writer, Art Stapleton. Oh, oh we're, oh, we're pivoting. Wait, wait. Can I go to the Colts first? Oh, we already, want, oh, we already um, got Art Stapleton I, I, up. I mean, we can, we can if you want. Let's I go can... to the Colts real quick. I'm going to throw a tweet at you. Um, this okay. Is from, this is from um, – how, how do you pronounce – as you know how I have issues with pronunciations – S-P-O-T-R-A-C. S-P-O. It's a sports um, financial service. Sport rack? You call it spot track or spot track? I'm not sure. Okay, they're the ones that like, uh, you know, crunch the numbers when it comes to salary. Since 2018, the Colts have spent $145 million in cash for 12 different quarterbacks. That includes the likes of Brad Kaya, Brian Hoyer, Chad Kelly, Jacoby Brissett, Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, Brett Hundley, Nick Foles, who I mentioned, 2.6 million this year for riding the bench and being a healthy scratch. Uh, Carson Wentz, of course, Phillip Rivers, and then Andrew Luck. What a time. How about that? Again, it is a Band-Aid over a bullet hole. That is where it's different than the Broncos. You You can't fault the Broncos because they thought that they were there. The Colts have thought they were there. For five years, and it still just, hasn't happened. They just haven't been. All right, let's okay, get over. Yes. Let's get over to this one because I'm, I'm. We're going to be fired up here. So, Art Stapleton, New York Giants beat writer, was at TIA Bank Field where you were this past weekend, and he noted during the game that there was cheering in the press box, as many Jaguars fans seen here than the stands. Apparently, he says. Now, on the surface level, people might not resonate with that, but Mia, what what would the proper etiquette that we've been taught as sports journalists be as far as you mean what the old men tell me sure what is the old men say that you're supposed to not speak to anyone you're supposed to have your headphones on it's supposed to be sterile and you're supposed to not speak or do anything that's what the old men in the jags press box say 
Well, that's not what I was taught. And I don't no, believe that's what you, what were, you taught. were taught. Of I course was taught it wasn't. No cheering in the press box. There's a difference a between cheering and reacting. I got yelled at last year for cheering. Okay, you want to know what happened when I got yelled at for cheering? Jamal Agnew had the first 109-yard kick six return in NFL history. All I did, because I am five foot two, which is only slightly taller than Art Stapleton, um, stood up because I could not see over the light box in front of me. And so I could not see him running along the near sideline. And so I stood up and I guess I was whispering, go, 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 go. I was cheering for an athletic feat that we have never seen in 105 years of playing professional football in this country. It was not loud. It was simply me standing up because I couldn't see. And then instinctively, just by the nature of watching a spectacle, my body doing that. And I got yelled at for that. I preface all that to say, the media member, there was one, one that he had issue with. And that media member is a former Super Bowl winning head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in Dave Campo, who works at my station, 1010XL, not as a media mogul. He's not a radio host. He is an analyst that we bring in. He is also, for the first time in 73 years in his life, sitting in the press section of the press box. He sat for 40 years in the other room where they do cheer and they do react. And even Mm -hmm. then it's not cheering. I mean, it's cheering when you score and when there's, you know, something good, but primarily it's simply reacting to good or bad. What is happening on the field? So Dave, if to be quite frank, because I sit next to him and art was sitting behind us. So he listen, art, if you're watching this, you could have come up and said, hi. I gladly would have talked to Dave would have looked Dave talks to everyone. He sent me his wife. He had his wife sending me pictures of their Halloween decorations this weekend, like very friendly man. Um, but you chose not to, you chose to hide behind a keyboard, which is really unfortunate. Um, so the point is, is that coach Campo was frustrated with what is roughing the passer. And so he just let out a, I don't get it, Mia. What is roughing the passer? He goes, I don't care which team it is. What is it? I just don't get it. Please explain to me when I was, pl- and then he went through everything. Um, and then he was frustrated when Doug Peterson went for it on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal. And he said, you know, Mia, excuse my French. When I was coaching, you could put analy- put the analytics up here. You know what? Because take the points. I, I know I'm old school, but that's like, this is what I see analytics. And so this was kids. his first time in a press box? No, this is his first year. So this was his fifth game. Hmm. And he has been scolded in all five games. But to his credit, he then, to his credit, he then apologizes instantly. He looks around and he goes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But you do got to, I mean, it's learned behavior. You do got to, okay, here's how I stand on this, okay? Because, you know, I'm I'm not holier than now when it comes to this. I understand that. And and one thing that I think needs to be acknowledged, whether right or wrong, is that is Art that, Stapleton is an RB sandwich away that's, from a heart that's, attack. That's that is way. That's not wow. for me. That's from a listener at Ten Ten XL. That is over the top and unnecessary. I don't agree with that at all. I actually think Art Stapleton is one of the best football writers in the country. But that's besides the point. Um, I think that we see now more than ever fans having blogs or fan-driven websites that cover teams that get access to press boxes. Mm -hmm. And as a result, some of that is co-mediated and you see 
more of that type of behavior. Now, I do not agree with that behavior. I mm -hmm. firmly believe that there shouldn't be cheering in a press box because I do believe a press box is a place of work. Now, I understand the point you're saying where sometimes because you're consuming the sport, you have a natural reaction to something that happens and you're like, wow, or, or whatever. Right. Personally, I can only speak on personal experience. I have tried to be cognizant of that. And if something incredible happens in front of me, I try to keep my reaction somewhat reserved. Um, but I have seen on the flip side, people just straight up screaming. And I understand like it's fun, but I do believe the press box is a place of work. Mm -hmm. And even if someone is not used to that environment, if they are being told, hey, you got to keep it down, you got to reel it back in. I do think they need to be cognizant of that. Now, did Art have to necessarily go out and blast people on Twitter for that? No, and Maybe like I should, I should know. Like even like my co-host on XL Primetime, like they got a kick out of out of his tweet. They're like, "That's a funny line," but more so the fact that he was literally sitting behind us, John. It's not like how childish do you have to be but to hide behind I, a keyboard I, as a I, I get plus that. year old man? I get that, but I also saw people in your media market who were defending it, and I and defending the cheering. Well, and, defending and defending in regards to the fact that he made a blanket statement about the media, yeah. which is an issue in this country to yeah, begin with at large. That I agree with, but. I don't know. I just I'm never going to be one to defend cheering in the press box. I honestly do think that anyone who does needs to be reprimanded and you need to put it in another. And I get that there are fans listening to this or watching this who may not understand that at all. But if I were to come into your place of work, not you specifically, I'm saying to the person who's watching this, who can leave us a super chat and leave us their thoughts. If we were to walk into their CPA job and just start yelling and hooting and hollering, it might be a little distracting. It might take away from them writing a column. It might take away from them writing. My, re my reaction to that, my reaction to that, and anyone that's upset about Dave Campo right now, um, the man is hard of hearing. <laughs> he doesn't turn his head. He doesn't turn his okay. ear. I, I no, mean no, this no, in a general sense. No, 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 I know. But I'm going to get to this, to your point, because I agree with your point that you're making. However, we will be in a commercial break and he has just arrived and he's hugging and everybody and he's talking to everybody at our studio and our sports update anchor has to go do the update or I have to do a commercial read. And everyone in the room is just loudly talking. And you know this more than anybody, John, when you're doing a live shot and maybe I, I know I'm not speaking for the CPAs of the world. My father could probably answer that better. Um, but you could be in a live shot and it is loud and there are people yelling at you and just like the sports update anchor for when I'm doing a commercial read, you got to just go. And so maybe that's just my nature. Like I am not offended when people are loud because number one, I am loud. Number two, you, I know no, never, I have been taught how to sure. just do the work but, and have tunnel vision. I understand not everyone is like, that. no, I mean, it's somewhat of an anomaly. So it's I, the nature I, of the business. It's courtesy. No cheering in the press box. If you, if you want to cheer, if you want to actively cheer, Buy a ticket. Or if you're Dan, just or Dave, Dave, Dave sorry. We love Dave. If you're Dave, just have the Jaguars hook you up with a ticket somewhere. Like, like go into, I mean, and, and then he can react appropriately. And that, that's nothing against the man personally. It's nothing against him personally. I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm old school. I told you, I got these great. Yeah, I'm going to hook in. you up with Gene Fournette, too. That's who uh, our, our press box police uh, or safety patrol officer. I'm I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you. No, Shut up! He does. Like I'm not yeah, gonna sit here so. and do that. But, but even but I, even Gene, even Gene, because that's what he does to me. Um, but even with Gene, like he went up to Dave during the preseason and was just like, "Hey, man, this is what it is." 
And yeah. that's all I wanted from the Giants media. Not being entitled New York media and having to oh, be a God. keyboard warrior. Uh, you're better than that. Now you're I grew up reading all of you. You're, you're better hitting, than that. Now you're hitting buzz terms. Anyway. Anyway, I'm just going to tee you up on this one. I'm going to show you a picture and you just tell us what the hell's going on here. Ready? Three, two, two one. one. Oh, those were happier times, John. Those were so much happier times. That was back when Iowa um, didn't hand the son of the longtime head coach, the longest tenured head coach in the FBS, um, just the offensive coordinator job on a silver platter. And while, yes, Brian Ferentz had been the offensive line coach for several years, and he had coached under Bill Belichick, um, yeah, had no coordinator experience. Just there you go. You can be the play caller now, bro. It's all good. And granted, they brought back Kevin o uh, Ken O'Keefe, who had been the offense coordinator for the first decade plus of Kirk Ferentz's tenure in Iowa City, to kind of mentor Brian. And now Ken has since gone off to uh, bigger and better things. Uh, and by that, I mean retirement. Um, but at the same time, yes, now Brian Ferentz remains the offense coordinator. He is actually the quarterback's coach for the first time ever this year because O'Keefe left. Um, and so Brian why, are never played quarterback. why are people taking fault with this, man? Because the Iowa offense is ranked 131st in the country, John, um, and they have 57 total points in conference play, and it's October 24th. Um, they're awful and they refuse to make changes when other teams in the Big Ten have not only made changes at the offense coordinator position, excuse me, but at the head coaching position as well. And so, um, yeah. So the and word so, of the day is nepotism. Yes, yes. But here's the thing. I know you didn't get to visit me out there in Iowa when I lived out there. They, I, but it, I think in Maine it's kind of similar but different. Um, but which also, ironically, Kirk Ferentz used to coach at the University of Maine. I did. They operate in a bubble. This is this sure. is their this is, mm -hmm. many sports fan bases. I mean, that's are like that. that's a lot of yeah. power football conferences, right? It's a lot, a lot of college that. towns. Yeah, they live, you know, towns, it's like yeah, a New York. We sure. call it ten square miles surrounded by reality. Um, it's a bubble, and in that bubble, the most powerful person in the state of Iowa is Kirk Ferentz. He is more powerful than even the athletic director at the University of Iowa, Gary Barda, who was also the chair of the college football playoff committee a year ago. Um, and so, yeah, so the bigger issue at hand here is whether you talk to Brian or if you talk to Kirk Ferentz or if you talk to Gary Barta, the athletic director, the company line is we don't do that midseason. We will evaluate at the end of the year. But and that's just horse crap because we see teams around the country. Rutgers just, just did it. Rutgers, Rutgers just did it. Rutgers they just did it. Wisconsin up the road. Two and a half hours from now, Iowa City fired their it's, longtime it's head not coach. To say, it's not to say that nepotism hasn't ever existed in sports before. It certainly has. But there are few occasions where it's this apparent that a change needs to be made and you have this significant conflict of interest. And what begs the question for me is at what point do boosters put pressure and say, hey, a change needs to be made here. I don't care if you have to put your son in time out, but something needs to happen. Oh yeah. And that's, and that's the million dollar question. But again, that's where the bubble comes in. Um, I, I tell it, it, different, different contexts, but all uh, different, you know, fruit, but still fruit, apples and oranges. Um, I was just telling my friends when they were here, they were asking, they were, you know, noting how people know me and they know my voice from the radio and they know me from my time in local television. And they come up to me here in Jacksonville and they asked if it was like that in Iowa. And I said, quite frankly, no, because the nature of the Midwest, what they talk about, Iowa nice, Midwest nice, Minnesota nice, when you hear those terms, that is essentially code word in the nice way of saying 
passive aggressive, allowing things to bubble up until they burst. Um, it's, it's a very, it's a very nice way of saying that. And I say that with all the most affection and love for my Midwest people. Um, but that's what we are seeing here. They are going to sit back and wait. They're not going to speak out. People don't speak out of turn. In the Midwest, oh, especially in the state with of Iowa, Iowa specifically. exactly yeah, correct so you there, sit so. back and you wait your turn and that's what we're seeing and so if the Ferences and Gary Barta are saying that you have to wait until the season's over then they're going to wait till the season's over um at the same time they did make a quarterback change at halftime this weekend against Ohio State after Spencer Petras fumbled on his final play of the day and then Alex Padilla threw a pick on the let's next let's say hypothetically a change is made what might uh Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner look like at the um, I'm sure Kirkle, Kirkle write it off as his hand was forced can almost uh, guarantee you like okay. I mean like and like Brian would understand that so I it's think. not like Hey Brian, can you pass the mashed potatoes? And no, I think we were at passive that... aggressively. Posted yeah, I think direction. we were at that place a little while ago, like a couple of years ago, maybe. Um, because oh Brian, like when I was covering the team in 2016, um, and that was before he was the full fledged OC. There's a picture of him angrily riding a golf cart, like as a passenger with like this like four year old pouty face. Um, and before that happened, he had stormed out of the press box. Ironically, let's go back to press boxes. Had stormed out, was screaming, banging on walls because he was upset with how the play on the field was transpiring. That I can tell you firsthand. Kirk Ferentz had a very, diff- you know, very harshly worded conversation with his son after that because he did not appreciate that etiquette. Um, but in light of not only recent events and his son now being, you know, essentially second in command next to Phil Parker, the defense coordinator, um, in light of everything that happened in 2020, in which, lest we forget, his truly Kirk Ferentz's lieutenant, Chris Doyle, the longtime strength and conditioning coach. Well, that's what coach. I was referring to before. Yeah. Yes. Well, so, I mean, that conversation, I mean, I, I won't reveal yeah. what I've been, I mean, Yeah. Things happen there, but Brian Ferentz was also implicated in many of those accusations and allegations, and he's still there, and now he has the worst offense in college football. And, yeah, I I don't know, but I think there's so much pressure now, John, that I don't think it would be awkward. I think, if anything, Brian Ferentz is going to just take a nice job at the NFL level and say that, you know, he wanted to return. It was an upgrade. Gotcha. Yes, okay. exactly. That's what you're going to say. Um, so we're, let's keep an eye on our time since obviously we're running a little bit short here. We still got a couple topics yeah. to hit. We, we got one last one here, Mia. And uh, last week we asked your niche, your niche predictions for the NBA. And I, I predicted that we'd see an all time tank season. And you did. <laughs> and, I don't think it's intentional, but the Lakers are well on their way, and uh, it's understandable as to why. They're shooting an unfathomably bad 21% from beyond the arc this year. Uh, Russell Westbrook, who is a Hall of Famer, by the way. Oh, that's uh, a that's a bold statement. Oh, I, I, heard was, oh, yeah. I, was, I believe Russ is a Hall of Famer. But this is not a Hall of Fame run by him. By any I think there's a couple Hall of Famers on that team. I just think they're past uh, their prime. Anthony Davis is hurt. LeBron is frustrated. Is this experiment with Russ and trying to get this super team together one more time, is this the biggest failed experiment in NBA history? In NBA history? No, I would in say a, a certain Nets-Celtics trade. 
That's what I would say as well. Up there. I would say that's also up there. I would um, say Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry for the entire future of the Nets franchise is the worst failed experiment. That only set the Nets back, what, a decade? Until About they decade, until, until yeah. they drop more money on two more questionable figures in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. What a time. Um, well, James Harden is the one that really... Oh, yeah, also, yeah, 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 I can't forget Yoko Ono and all that. Now Ben Simmons, what fun! Yeah, um, yeah a lot of questionable characters coming into Brooklyn these days. Um, y- you know... When you said last week that, you know, you're like, maybe that maybe the Lakers are thinking Wembenyama. Everyone wants to talk about how LeBron wants to play with Bronny Jr. And now it sounds like Bronny Jr. is going to go to college. I don't know which college. He may end up in the G League. I mean, I don't even think he cracks the top 50 right now in college rankings, but he's, he's a top 100 player in the country. So, like, he'll go to an Ohio mm-hmm. State. I'm not sure how much he'll play. I'm sure... If LeBron is still with the Lakers, though, they can arrange for a nice, you know, little, even if he's a two-way player. Yeah, two-way player. They could arrange for him Mm -hmm, to come into the fold. And then LeBron gets gets to live his dream of playing with his son. And that's admirable. Um, But that's still two years away. So kind of like, kind of like Mr. Rogers and Brady. Like, how much longer are you willing to put up with this beating and being the center of attention when everything around you is quite frankly failing? So I don't, I don't know. Um, is especially, the especially in the Western conference where you are literally, I mean, it's the national basketball association. You're getting everyone's best shot every night, but in the Western in conference, the West, it's tough to win. Yeah. And, 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 well, I'll say this on top of that to give some credence to the argument that this might be the worst experiment with that 2013 Nets team. They weren't a great team before that. And they made the move in hopes of getting better. The Lakers made that Russ move coming off a championship, hoping that this was going to propel them to even more. A a Mickey Mouse championship, but continue. I I totally disagree with that. I think the NBA bubble was the most difficult championship ever won. I think I legitimately think that was the most difficult championship ever won. The season went over a year. They were in solitary confinement. Uh, The wings were fantastic at Magic City. And yeah, uh, I, I think that, I'm just looking at their roster right now. It's like I just don't, I just don't get it. Like no, Dennis, Schro- Dennis can- Schroeder, you flamed out in Golden State. So did Juan. Tan- oh, they actually liked Juan Toscano Anderson. It's a, it's Lonnie a poorly, Walker. It's a poorly constructed Kendrick roster. None. It like it's just like Patrick Beverly. We've completely forgot the, the so fourth think, member of their gang. I do uh, think there is an the, argument the, the, the to mighty, be made mighty, that, mice- that this could be one of the worst experiments ever. I think we have to wait until either there's a trade made or or wait till the end of the season, whatever it may be. But I do think there is merit to that argument. And frankly, I don't think this is something that the Lakers are going to kick. If they get Wembenyama, though. No, I'm saying this year. This year, I don't think this is. Yeah, no. So then, if they if they have the number one pick and they get Victor, then is is all forgotten? I mean, is it? I mean, I mean, I'm sure LeBron's licking his lips at something like that. But even then, like, let's be real. We talked about this last week with the NBA draft lottery. Like, you can't guarantee that you are even going to get that number one overall pick. So. But you do have assets that you could trade up for them. And and or you could just. I mean, that's the problem. They're in there. Can't they can't even trade off all these old assets that they the old have assets you can't. to get more picks. No. They can't even do that. No. So yeah, so, no, uh, I, I think you're, you're, you're way too early prediction last week, John. Spot we'll, on. See. we'll see. Well, uh, Mia, before we get to our weekly wager, we do have some breaking news here that I just want to give a quick shout out to, oh. because I know this is something that is deeply personal to both you and I. Yes. Deeply personal. Um, Jim Nance following uh, the next season is going to be, 
uh, this, this coming March, I mean, this will be his last final four, and he will be succeeded by one Iron Eagle. Wait, did it just get announced? It just got announced. As oh, my gosh. I was wondering why people were. Oh, my. Mia and I are from the Iron Eagle School of Broadcasting. Stop. And the bird is our boy. So an honorary toast to Who the bird Who tweeted out CBS or Marchand? New York Post reported. Thank you, Andrew Marchand. So, Go Bombers. So an honorary toast to our, our mentor. Oh, here, my Mr. goodness. Bird. Yes. Mr. Bird, just cheers oh, to him. How fitting is this? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're together. Mm-hmm. Oh. Cheers to the bird. Cheers to the bird, man. We don't need a um, toast. We don't need a wager. No, but uh, we do. We I do have a wager for you for next week. Mm-hmm. Since you're very impassioned about this Iowa Hawkeyes oh, team, yeah. well, it's all right because Ithaca Ithaca's offense is averaging forty plus points a week. I'm, so I'm, I'm also holding. I'm holding on. I'm not making a wager on D three football, but anyway, the over under as of two hours ago. For this Northwestern versus Iowa game, a three and fourteen versus a one. Remember when I wanted to go to Northwestern? By the way, continue. No, you were wrong on that. Um, the Wildcats currently an eleven point underdog. The over under for the outing is thirty six and a half points, which would be oh, it's up, uh, which would be one of the lowest uh, that I we've saw seen some in a sports books time. had them at thirty one, which would be the lowest in FBS history. But you are taking the under on this, correct? Yes. I'm giving you yes. under 36 and a half. Send it here. Hard 36 and a half. Yes. Under. I'll say Iowa just gets a lucky week and, and they go off and, and we go the over. I'm just going to take it for the sake of argument. And the wager is a little more pleasurable, but also it might not be. You and I both Wawa aficionados. If you don't yes. know what Wawa is, it's uh, the greatest convenience store that has a gas station attached to it in the history of history. Uh, right here, I've got a half gallon of Wawa iced tea Ooh, with me. Okay? okay. Mia, next week, the loser of our weekly wager, wager will have to drink an entire half gallon during the course of our program next okay. week. Okay. Easy. Easy money. Okay. Easy uh, lot, money. A lot of sugar. It's awfully sweet. Again, um, I did the Taco Bell challenge earlier this week, so, so anything An entire half gallon during the course of our conversation, okay? Um, and again, guys, we appreciate your support every single Monday night here, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, leading up to Monday Night Football. If you like pro wrestling leading up to Monday Night Raw, whatever it may be that you watch on your Monday night, we got you here on Out of Bounds. Mia, anything else you want to throw out there this week? Go fighting birds, not of the yes. Hawkeye variety, the Iron Eagle variety. The Iron Eagle variety. Cheers to that. We'll see you next week right here on Out of Bounds. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.